0: To the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We
1: are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode seventy, recorded on April thirtieth, twenty twenty. The Cloud Pod is now fully synthetic. Hey, Jonathan and Ryan and Peter, how's it going tonight? Great. It's uh, been a long week for me, personally. I don't know about you.
0: <laughs> when I say great, there's, there's some slight sarcasm and uh, animosity and everything else in there. It's really...
1: Yeah. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I learned something new about uh, SNS today, and I'm not happy about it. So
2: I'm just going to let that leave it at that. <laughs> that was my last week. I'm lucky that wasn't
3: my this week. You're just teasing the audience now with leaving these breadcrumbs.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been another exciting week out there with COVID-19 day 3,745. Uh, still in the books. Uh, we did just get extended uh, to the end of May here in the Bay. I don't know about the rest of the country. I hear they're unlocking the doors in uh, Georgia and Florida, but uh, unfortunately we are not in that same situation
0: here. I was, I was hoping to sneak out to the beach for a couple of days since they hadn't closed the beaches, but now it looks like that's that's not going to work.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they're rapidly closing the beaches. I think they're going to probably ticket people this weekend here in the Bay. So we'll see.
2: Ironically, they're opening the golf courses.
1: I mean, I, I get it if you have one person in a cart and you're playing properly, but you know, who wants to play golf by themselves? Actually, it's, <laughs> it's wow. better than the
3: alternative. <laughs> I thought golf was just rolling around on the cart drinking.
0: I mean, that's what uh, I do. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's I've golf. only got one club and I just use it to open the beer bottles. So I forget, forget the opener. <laughs> nice. There he goes.
1: Well, uh, you know, being at home all the time, people start getting really creative sometimes. And, uh, we have a fantastic parody video for you here of, uh, time after time from Cindy Lauper. It is chime after chime, uh, which was apparently written and, uh, c- performed by Tim Lehane on Amazon, on YouTube. He is apparently a product manager at Amazon's lab One Twenty Six, Uh, and he did a very good job, uh, on this, this parody video. So I thought we'd share it with you, our listeners for a little light, uh, light listening, uh,
2: at home, so he's got the gear in that thing too. Yeah, he's, he's got him. everything, <laughs> yeah. he's ready to go. He couldn't wait, he couldn't wait for COVID. He's like, My chance, here's my chance. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
1: Uh, I mean, if you are a chime user though, which would be anybody at Amazon, uh, the first uh five seconds is a chime ringtone uh, of a chime call you're missing, so do be aware of that as you start playing it. As I've seen people on Twitter complain, say if I was missing a meeting, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, in other general cloud news this week, Rapid7 uh, is apparently acquiring cloud infrastructure automation platform DiviCloud uh, for about $145 million. Uh, I always do appreciate when a terribly named company buys another terribly named company and removes one from the market. So that's always great. This acquisition was for $145 million in cash and stock. Uh, DiviCloud, if you're not familiar, is a SaaS platform that offers real-time remediation with configurable bots and over 200 out-of-the-box guardrail policies. And it works across public clouds such as AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure. And then Rapid7 is a security company focusing on vulnerability management, user behavior analytics, and phishing protection. Uh, it also owns the popular Metasploit project, uh, so this is a good acquisition to get them a little bit more into the cloud space, uh, with a great solution from TV Cloud and Rapid7 coming together.
3: Excellent! I always love seeing security solutions that are talk about you know real-time remediation or auto-healing, or because it really is you know so much security incidents get traced back and just become like a forensic uh, investigation exercise. Where if we if the if action could be taken immediately. Um, it's usually a much better outcome. So that's great.
0: It's always tough auto remediating, though, especially when you have your automation doing the deployments and auto healing things that it thinks uh, should be different. Mm-hmm. No one's yeah. solved that yet.
3: Well, f- the feedback loop is super important, right? So, like when that thing disappears, you're like, where'd it go? You get
0: yeah. some sort of note that told it was stomped on. Yeah. It could, it could almost like build an extension to Terraform or something so that if it sees a tag that's you know that that something's been auto-remediated it it won't do an apply until someone's fixed the problem
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i think this tool's much more focused at people who aren't sophisticated and controlled enough to have everything running through a pipeline deploying via terraform i think people are going goofy in the console and this is your your belt and suspenders to make sure "Ah, public s3 bucket no take that back
1: in this time of covid uh You know, cloud resources are at a premium. And so Zoom, uh, who's had record growth, has need of a new cloud provider. Uh, They apparently are already using Amazon and Microsoft, but have decided to expand their relationship with Oracle Cloud. Uh, They have selected Oracle to expand its cloud, uh, bypassing GCP and Azure and AWS for its follow-on business. And their CEO has to say, we recently experienced the most significant growth our business has ever seen. Requiring massive increases in our service capacity, we explored multiple platforms and Oracle Cloud Infrastructure was instrumental in helping us quickly scale our capacity and meet the needs of our new users. We chose Oracle Cloud Infrastructure because of its industry-leading security, outstanding performance, and unmatched level of support. Uh, So there you go. Zoom's uh, going to be doing a lot of work through the system. According to the, uh, the Oracle press release, they said that uh, they're basically sending the roughly equivalent of 93 years of HD video through the Oracle Cloud infrastructure each day. So that's crazy volume that they're already pumping through Oracle.
2: Yeah. Wow. yeah, and I mean, if they did it that quick, it just makes me wonder, if are, you know, are they really running their app up there or are they basically leveraging the Google Cloud as a big CDN and not doing any real compute up there?
1: I imagine that a lot of it's about pipes and getting network pipe access. And so uh, it's about sending the data. The The actual video and where it lives in the cloud is somewhat questionable. Um, but, you know, they're definitely running traffic across that network in a big way, which might be helping them deliver the capacity they need to customers. Um, I assume that from Oracle's perspective, it's a big marquee customer. That they can go out there and tout uh, as you know, they're running on Oracle's infrastructure, and we'll give you a price break, uh, especially when you have uh, the the quote from Eric Yan, the CEO, saying, "You know, industry leading security, outstanding performance, unmatched levels of support." Which is, I think, what Larry says every time he speaks about the Oracle Cloud. Uh, <laughs> you know, is a little bit suspect, but I, I definitely think you know this is more than just a press release. I think there is something happening here, uh, and I think it's a good way for you know Zoom to be able to leverage against AWS and Microsoft, and if. Oracle's willing to give them a cut rate deal to have a marquee customer. That's a w- good win for them. So yep. yeah, I'm, on one side, I'm, I'm super happy for Zoom. I hope they get the capacity and the things they need from Oracle.
2: I'm happy or, for both. I'm happy for all of us. That if there's another player in here that uh, continues to drive competition, that's great for all of us cloud users.
0: Or maybe Oracle will the only people with any spare capacity because they have so few customers
2: and
1: so yeah. many data centers.
2: I,
0: The fact that they got up and running those so
2: quick, like six weeks, we know what it takes to get production apps running on new infrastructure. Um, I I could envision a direct connect from their data center, their actual data center to Oracle, and then leveraging that as another pipe out to their customers, like pure bandwidth play.
3: It absolutely could be. I mean, from there was a little bit of justification about the like the design of the app and how they move so quickly and what Oracle provided that over the other providers, and uh, it really does come down to just network bandwidth. Like more pipes,
0: bigger pipes, please. I think the, I think it was the cost, wasn't it? The um, the cost of egress for um, for AWS versus Oracle was. Quite significantly different.
1: Oh, yep. yeah, like decimal points in difference, <laughs> like major decimal <laughs> points in difference. So, I, you know, if you're talking about 93 years of HD video, that's a that's a ton of traffic to be paying egress on, uh, at AWS. So, I, I get it. Uh, In other news, apparently during the AMD uh, uh, earnings announcement, they said that a mystery cloud had added uh, 10,000 new AMD EPIC servers in under 10 days to handle demand. Uh, The rest of the AMD press release was sort of kind of uh, pretty benign. But, uh, you know, you had to wonder who that is. Maybe it's Microsoft who's talked about how much capacity they've had to throw under Teams. Or now with the Zoom news, it might even be Oracle.
3: (laughs) Maybe. Someone get the Scooby gang someone that we need to investigate who this mystery cloud could possibly be
0: mm-hmm. yeah he's he only... had me going for a while trying to figure out who the who mystery cloud was so i even googled mystery cloud <laughs> 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 i was like oh i haven't heard of these guys new provider <laughs> is awesome. So nice.
1: well moving on to amazon uh for those of you who have been following along uh amazon summit is next week uh and so that means that we are here to do a prediction show uh, again, our predictions are based off of a slightly stolen format from upgrade fm 's uh, podcast where they uh, regularly do this for Apple events and predictions on apple things uh, there 's a little bit easier because the rumor pool is uh, quite robust on Apple products where ours is not <laughs> on amazon products and so uh, we will be doing this draft style once again, and prior to the show, Jonathan rolled a 12 on the dice, uh, taking first spot in the draft, followed by Ryan, and then Peter, and then I rolled a measly two, and so I am last in the draft. Uh, we will do three picks each, we will score them as appropriate, uh, and we will decide a tiebreaker, just in case the event that we all uh, result in a tie. But,
3: uh, don't oh yeah, because usually I'm the tiebreaker, but now what? Well, yeah. you're really more of like a rules
1: judge, per se, but, you know, we never really <laughs> had to use you, and then a tiebreaker will solve the problem, so.
0: Are we limiting this to just the uh, keynotes again, or are we just going to say announcements at the summit?
1: Just the Warner Vogels keynote. <sighs> That's tough. Oh. It, is, it is tough. It is very, very tough. Now, remember, a typical summit when we only have one announcement, uh... And so we typically don't do this for these, but because this is all of the North American summits combined into one, at least at this point, until August when the Chicago summit is supposed to happen, uh, we will assume that they're going to be announcing a bit more. Uh, They also canceled the reinforced summit uh, that was supposed to be in Houston in June. So I do expect that that may change some of the paradigm of what we're going to see uh, from Mr. Vogels. Now we may be completely wrong and next week you can all say that was a terrible plan because he announced
3: nothing and that might happen too. But we'll try. We'll give it a shot. We'll see how it works. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The joke will be on us when it's just another master class in how Amazon conquers like hard problems. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, I'll teach you all about magic sorts. That's what's going to happen. All right. So Jonathan, uh, with your first draft pick, you are on the board.
0: Okay. So I think I'm going to lead with uh, improved or new DLP tools for S3.
1: Ooh, nice. Ah, excellent. So that's like a Macy-type competitor replacement or something in that space?
0: Yep, yep, definitely. I know recently they've they've, they've changed the offering of Macy slightly, so I'm wondering if they're going to repackage that or do something around um, either free or um, more affordable tooling for DLP for S3. Maybe AI-driven, maybe not, who knows? Interesting. Leave leave it a little bit vague.
3: (laughs) All right, uh, Ryan, you are on the board. All right, I think that with the move to Fargate-based workloads, that Amazon is going to provide the ability to do a Docker exec inside the container for debugging purposes. Ooh,
2: ooh, okay.
3: ooh. Be
1: nice. So, Docker exec-based debugging tools capability. Mm-hmm. All right, that's very specific. Very specific, uh, you know. Well, so first ti- timers, largely mistakes. because of my day to day. Yes, and your hopes. <laughs> but uh, but you know, also it's it's a little bit hard to be narrow in this because uh, we again we don't have insight into rumor mill, so it's it's yeah. a bit hard, uh, and we can't of course can't talk about stuff that we know about under NDA, so that's always a challenge.
2: Uh, Peter, you are on the board. Uh, let, let me show you how it's done, Ryan. Um, I believe that there will be an announcement about a feature. That people have been asking for for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a bit too broad. Sorry,
1: I'm going to have to reject that. I would
2: would say um, let's go, although this would be a reInvent announcement if it was going to happen, but let's go uh, uh, some some, uh, announcement that we have a new product coming that is a direct competitor to Anthos. Mm, Ooh,
0: direct competitor. To anthos in that it's multi-cloud or, or or um or what exactly
2: well more hybrid than multi but yes okay
3: this was on my list as well i was gonna uh i have this because i i agree i think this is definitely something that's going to happen
1: yes again i don't know if it's a <laughs> if it's a summit announcement or a reinvent level announcement but uh yeah. we will find out yeah
3: uh, well, I'm going to reuse these in the re uh, re-invent prediction show when they don't come true. <laughs> <laughs> and that oh, is totally. not a, that's not a
1: bad strategy either, <laughs> as we've learned. Yep. Uh, I do expect that we will see a price cut uh, in a significant service like 2 2s S3, or core networking. Mm-hmm. And that'll be COVID-driven,
0: is my guess. Okay. This is like a wish list more than it is a prediction show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: mean, it might
1: be. I mean, it might be, but I, I do feel like uh, you know, a big price cut right now in the middle of COVID, I think, would go a long way for goodwill to their customers, and I think uh, that would be excellent to see. So that's my. my I, I guess,
0: but when, when you see customers like Zoom pivoting to Oracle Cloud because their network bandwidth is so much more affordable, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's um, it's definitely uh, uh, something I need to think about. Indeed,
2: uh, Well, Jonathan, that, I'm not that's, surprised. Yeah, sorry. I'm just not surprised that it's a wish list. I mean, we know this is how Amazon builds their uh, their, their roadmap is with customer requests, and we're all customers and or uh, yeah. working close with lots of customers. So,
1: exactly.
2: I think it's a good strategy. Yep.
1: All right, Jonathan, you are back on the board.
0: the keynote. Wow. Yeah. This is the pressure. Um, I think Dr. Werner Vogels will announce an AI-powered submarine for exploring the depths of the ocean.
3: Oh, wow. and you thought mine was specific?
0: Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> that is spectacular. Uh, can I just put go on record right now saying I hope I lose to that? <laughs> that would be
1: spectacular that would be pretty spectacular i i we we will never play this game again if he wins on that because <laughs> he clearly has an inside track on something and i just
3: don't know yeah. what it is all right ryan you are up i think going along the lines of wish list um there will be a better way to remote remote debug lambda functions so right now you can you know you can run locally and you can do sort of debugging, but it doesn't really replicate uh, Lambda in a real environment with, with IAM permissions and, and resource constraints and access. So some sort of attachment to a live running function.
0: Excellent. That will be good.
3: Peter, you
2: are on the board. I'm going to go e- DLP for VPC instead of S3. Ooh. So I want layer, I've always wanted, and I make this prediction every time, uh you know something that looks like a layer 7 proxy that allows you to run dlp tools do domain based whitelisting and other fun stuff for uh stuff going out of your internet gateway people have been asking for it for a long time that is a excellent
1: choice for your second pick
3: mm-hmm. me and peter are like you know, you're- uh, we're of one mind because that's also on my list. Yeah. Oh, you guys
1: you guys have also hit several of mine on my list as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suspect
1: Amazon to directly talk about scaling for COVID and dealing with the tremendous growth and demand that came to them. Uh, and I don't think they'll mention Azure, but it's going to be completely, very clearly, that it's all about making fun of Azure by saying we have all this capacity and we met all the demand without any problems. And they're going to throw out some crazy numbers about it.
3: That's a good one. That's going to get you a point. I'm
2: pretty sure. That could right. get you a point. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's, uh, it's allowed. That's, that's not a service. It's not a feature. It's just a general talking point.
2: I, we
1: have not said that you couldn't do a general talking point. That would be You could tell if you wanted to be specific. specific. If you wanted to get, yeah, if you were like, he's going to announce a new feature, that's a little too broad. But if you're going to say he's going to specifically announce a new database feature around Quantum, like that mm. would be specific enough that it's not too broad. I think I, that's my opinion on it. But again, the rule man is here in the competition, so he had to make the final judgment call on that. Yeah, it's okay.
3: <laughs> I do think there'll be a slight, like an off. It won't, it won't. They won't say Azure by name, but they will make some sort of comment about their competitors not being able
0: to meet the same level of scale.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan, you're on the board for your last and final pick.
0: Third and final pick. Well, I suspect. Uh, the murder was committed by Professor Plum in the kitchen with the lead pipe. <laughs> 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 no, seriously. Um, I think I, I got a I got a few to choose from. I, really, I can we get like a, a fourth, perhaps. Um, okay, we'll have we'll have honorable no. mention. Yeah. On the bubble. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the Amazon Elasticsearch Service is going to pivot to their own fork of Elasticsearch, the open distro for Elasticsearch. And I think that will be announced publicly.
1: Okay, that will be very interesting to see. Ryan, you are up for your third and final pick.
3: All right. Well, something I wanted to see at Reinforce, but hopefully it'll be during the summit, is a secured, security code scanning service. So similar to code Guru, which does performance and cost, AI-driven decision-makings, so this will be um, security-specific, either functionality added to Code Guru or a new service.
1: So sort of like, I mean, so CodeGuru does do some security checks now, but you're thinking more along lines of like check marks, level mm-hmm. scanning, uh, you know, dynamic static code analysis kind of thing. Correct. Okay. Peter, you're up for your third and final pick. How's my Roger Goodell impression? Is it working out well? You just watched <laughs> I like it, yes. You just watched the draft. So I, I, I try to take and channel Roger Goodell at this moment. So I, just... I did. I did watch the draft and I had a
2: great time. That was Thanks. a wonderful draft. Excellent. Okay, your final pick, sir. During the keynote, on the big screen, we will see a caricature of Larry Ellison. Wow.
1: (laughs) Now, I will say that that's a bold pick because while Andy Jassy is very big about that kind of thing, I've not seen Werner Vogels do it. So that would be something new. He spent the whole
0: half hour. Destroying Oracle database though on the stage, of but he did so it.
1: Right. He did, but he did it by name and by not picking on mm-hmm. Larry. So that's the yes. that's the difference. He w- he might do something against Oracle because it's fun, but it won't be at that level. I don't think. I
2: don't maybe. I don't maybe. win unless it's a caricature. Yeah, <laughs> caricature is very specific. <laughs> uh, not I, even a photograph. Photograph doesn't count. It has to be a caricature. Okay, yeah, so, so I I have uh, both. These are one
1: is a little vague, so I'm going to go with a little bit more specific. Uh, I believe that. Warner Vogels will wear a T-shirt for Diplo. <laughs> oh, yes, a Diplo T-shirt worn by Mister Warner Vogels. That's my guess.
3: Is it
2: Diplo or Diplo?
3: I don't know.
1: I, I'm not. I'm not into the scene. I, I just, just I Go with I don't it. even know what that is?
2: Is that a, is that, that's got to be one He's a DJ EDM guy. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my take. It's a good guess. There's probably something gonna happen.
3: I I was going to say for honorable mention that uh, Warner Bros. will wear an EDM DJ T-shirt. So you kind of ruined that one for me. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, yes, honorable mentions. Uh, Jonathan, you mentioned you had a couple. Would you like to share them with us now? Again, these are not pointed, uh, but you will get at least bragging rights.
0: I think there will be mention of Amazon Crucible which is Amazon's game they've been working on for about five years now, uh, like a first-person shooter, and they're giving it away for free, multi- online multiplayer game. Like Fortnite? More like Call of Duty, but yes.
2: No, I just yeah. meant free. Well, yeah. oh, I guess Call of Duty's free too, right? Their Warzone is free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, I have that one down. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any other honorable mentions?
0: Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, not necessarily... Um, do, do we count kind of like, uh, you know... Werner often has guests come and speak during his keynotes. Are we, going yeah. to count, are we going to count things that other people say during his keynote if he invites them on stage?
1: You know, you're asking this after you already made your picks. But yes, we would technically count those.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I think Dr. So. Matt Wood will make a passionate attempt to get people to love SageMaker. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that happen every single time? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting him to come out with, like, uh, you know, AI-powered workers to replace all the work-from-home people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, do you have any honorable mentions I didn't ruin?
3: Uh, No. So I'm going to say that they are also going to enforce a six foot uh, social distancing rule for all their robots in the warehouses.
1: Nice. (laughs) Okay. Six foot distancing robots. That's all I got. I literally have nothing else. All right. Peter, do you have any honorable mentions?
2: I have one more uh, wish list item that I'll just throw out there, which is uh, the managed Cassandra, which has obviously now been renamed to, do I remember, Keyspaces? Yes, yeah. Keyspaces. Keyspaces um, will make the HIPAA compliance list and be in scope on the BAAs because we had to not use it on a project recently. Uh, because that of would, That would be very, very fast great.
1: from announcement to HIPAA. But, you know, yeah, we'll,
2: we'll see. Hey, a guy can dream.
1: It, it could happen. All right. Uh, I had a couple. Uh, I suspect another detective named security service uh, with a detective name going with a the theme of inspector and uh, detective and all
3: those. Do you think they'll announce Sherlock to Sherlock existing security tools? I would hope so. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That's, that's an Apple thing. That wouldn't do that. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then uh, I suspect that they will announce that all in-person events for the rest of 2020 will be canceled. Yeah.
3: Uh, yes. That's a good one. That is a good yeah, one. Yeah,
2: I don't think they can even – got to cancel reInvent now, right? Yeah, I mean, you need to do it now. Like, it, because you don't know if it's going to come back with a resurgence in the in the late fall uh, winter, the flu winter. And, and honestly, you know, you don't really want to have
1: – sorry, excuse me. You don't want to have people – Um, not come because they're scared of COVID, which is what the outcome is most likely going to be, is that people won't be attending. And so then you'll have either you'll over-engine, you know, have too much infrastructure to handle the crowd that you actually get, that you have to commit to now, or you'll, uh, you know, basically have to announce that you had much less attendance than you expected, which is kind of a bummer too. So I just don't think it's worth the risk to them and the cost, not knowing what the appetite for conferences will be this year. Yep. Well, I think people
0: are uh, more scared of, of the COVID virus than they were of the uh, the shooter in Vegas, though. I mean, they had a huge turnout even after that big shooting in Vegas, so...
1: Uh, yes, I think people are more concerned about yeah. this than they are about the shooting. Mm. I, I, you know, no, looking at the statistics and the, the surveys and and all of that, I, I'm not sure conferences are coming back this year. I just I don't see it, so...
3: Yeah. There's a a shooter or, you know, something that's more caused by a person directly. Like there's stuff you can do, right. You can, you can increase security. You can increase scanning a virus that spreads like wildfire. What you got? Like it's hard to,
1: well, I mean, and right now you're even looking at just, you know, they're not even sure how they're going to reopen the casinos right now,
2: let alone open the conference facilities. I just, Oh my God. And that place is shoulder to shoulder Mm -hmm. at reInvent.
1: Yeah. Yep, I just, I just, I, I don't. It's not worth the risk for them to do a big conference where you know they are going to do that. And then I also saw some Twitter, you know, comment. Someone, someone mentioned. Uh, I think Corey mentioned something to at, at Warner. Uh, basically, said you know it's not worth dying for. And, and Warner basically said no, no keynote is worth dying over. <laughs> and so I kind of, to me, it was a little bit of a tell that you know they're not going to do reinvent. I just, I yeah. can't see
3: it. I just, well, I think they'll do a digital offering similar to the summit. I think the summit is a dry run of a digital oh, oh, reinvent. Oh,
1: for sure. I, I yeah. got, it. Um, and, you know, the fact they're doing hundred to 400 level classes, this is, this is a great, you know, introductory way to do it. You just had WWC, you know, they just started launching all of their stuff for the June, uh, you know, sessions that are coming up for that. You have other conferences that are going on virtually right now. So I think they're, they're kind of taking a look and see approach and see where things can kind up. Of, but I think uh, that's kind of where we're heading right now. But uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so we need a tiebreaker question. Do we want to? We need a number um, that's going to be mentioned on stage in some way. Uh, oh, I, sorry, I did want to have one more honorable mention. I did expect now they've released um, South Africa and some of the other regions. I suspect they'll announce another new region that'll be coming in a few years Atlantis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'd be the moon. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, actually. I, I sort of suspect that you know the looking at what Google's doing in Asia. I, I sort of feel like another North America region might be coming, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what they announce. Uh, you know, it does take a little while for Amazon to build regions, and so they like to announce them a few years in advance. Uh anyways, back to the tiebreaker. So we do need a tiebreaker. It could be numbers. It could be you know how many partners are they going to talk about? You know, on the keynote stage, they could. It could be you know, number of new customers during COVID. We could throw a number out for that. Whatever, whatever you guys think, we'll just kind of come up with a number and we'll do price is
3: right rules. And that'll be a tiebreaker if we need it, which we probably won't. So price is right rules, you're going to go last and just increment by a dollar? The-
1: I mean, you could. I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, we should do it in reverse
2: order from the draft just to make it fair. One dollar. Yeah. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> one. So uh, one of the things we could do is uh, new features because they always track new features. Sure. That's a great one. Uh, how many
1: new features or features in general will so they're gonna they're probably they gonna announce
2: have? the new features they've had either in the quarter or since reInvent, right? Mm-hmm. For so should we say for the year? Yeah, it's due for the year.
1: Uh, and since so I said I'll do it in reverse, I'll go first. I will say they will say they released 70 new features.
2: Your second, uh, my second, uh, your second. Okay. I'm going to say they're going to announce they've released 200
3: new features. Okay. Ryan. Do I split in between or do I go higher? I don't know. 200 is pretty high. One feature. (laughs) One feature,
2: Bob. One feature.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's closer to 150. So I'm going to go with that, which is silly, but
1: and then Jonathan come up with
0: 151 yep <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry this is right all right Jonathan 157 <laughs> oh.
2: is it um, is it prices right without going over or are we just doing closest uh, closest without going over without going over okay yeah so if it's 80 cool. so I have 200 and up basically yeah all myself. yeah you yeah, have yeah. a
1: large window and then so uh, yeah
2: if you think about it yeah the odds should be on me winning this is great. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, happy. but again, you only win if everything else tie breaks. So if so, if which is likely, all of these would be zero, and then the tiebreaker might win the whole thing. <laughs> Possibility. <laughs> I mean, like I don't know.
0: Hey everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the Cloud Pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008. They are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud, under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash the cloud www.fogops.io slash the cloud Foghorn. The promise of cloud delivered. Uh, Well, Amazon uh, has been
1: busy this week, uh, super busy. (laughs) Apparently, the work from home is really working out for them uh, with lots of great features and capabilities coming out. And the first one being uh, Amazon managed Apache Cassandra service uh, is now generally available with a new brand name called Amazon Keyspaces, parentheses for Apache Cassandra Uh, is built on top of Apache Cassandra, of course. And it's a fully managed serverless database, which I take issue with Uh, because it's not really serverless, but uh, (laughs) applications can leverage the CQL or the Cassandra query language with little or no changes. And for each table uh, in your Cassandra database, you can choose on-demand or provision capacity with or without auto-scaling. Uh, Authentication and authorization is handled by IAM, and they have uh, set up that IAM role into the Amazon Signature Version 4 process, or SIG v4, uh, which makes it available as an open-source auth plugin for things like data stacks, Java drivers, et cetera. Uh, So that's really great. Super glad to see it, and I'm, I'm sure I actually like this name much better than the original name, so... Uh, someone won one out.
3: <laughs> do I like the name just because it's still an Amazon terrible name, but it's so much better than the other name? I'm trying. I'm having this debate internally with myself right now.
0: Did they change the name because they were worried about litigation? Though, because Elasticsearch also complained no. about them using Elasticsearch in, in their managed offering.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if that's part of it, or they just felt like they didn't want to—they didn't want to piss off the Apache Foundation in some way. But uh, you know, it's good to see they—they they did change it. I think it's a better name. Although, uh, I will enjoy watching Peter say for Apache Cassandra now in all of the future uh, landing. <laughs> Can we add with
2: Apache Cassandra <laughs> compatibility?
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they, if, they left out the compatibility part this time.
2: I know that's my favorite part. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> I don't you know I, I unless something changed this week from that service other than the name the one issue for us is that it's uh, that service is still not covered um, it's not in scope uh, and covered under Amazon's BAA
1: so yeah, it's yeah on that. it does seem like there's kind of a progression these services go through but you know they they get their kind of preview release which doesn't have anything they get their GA which gets them kind of an SLA And then they eventually will get their HIPAA BAA coverage as well as uh, some of the security foundational things. Those will come a little bit later on down the road. And I don't know if encryption is available for that to get. Uh, It wasn't mentioned in the article, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to hear that, you know, it doesn't support encryption quite yet. Yep. Well, the, uh, well I, I mentioned, I think at the start of the Amazon section, that uh, Amazon was building a lot of really great features. Uh, and unfortunately, this one, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> this is the new Amazon Web Services Transfer for FTP and FTPS uh, now available in addition to the SFTP service they launched in November 2018, uh, just before reInvent. Uh, this supports the FTPS protocol, or FTP, over SSL, as well as the very old and crusty FTP protocol, which sends all of your data in cl- plain text, and you should not be using for anything of actual value and if you are shame on you (laughs) but there are some use cases for
0: it (laughs) they they built this for the DoD (laughs) for sure (laughs) they're they're probably the only people who still use FCP yeah
3: uh, so well, the, I they, wish that were true. I don't <laughs> think that's true at all, but I wish it were true. not true
0: at all. It is not true.
1: Uh, I, I, the big one they said was for public data sets and for scientific research that they handle back and forth. It isn't really sensitive, but it's just large. Uh, that's where they're using a lot of FTP because it's a little bit faster than using uh, SFTP or FTPS in this case. So that's where one of the use cases they talked about uh, pretty heavily in the article. Uh, you know, they also talked about many apps uh, that are legacy were born with FTP or F- F- FTPS and don't support SFTP. And so this was a barrier for companies trying to convert to the cloud and take advantage of the service. Uh, unfortunately, though, it does still have a pretty hefty price tag, about uh, $216 a month uh, before you factor in your upload download costs. Uh, so do keep that in mind if you're looking at using this managed service, which for many customers, that's a rounding error. But for a lot of startups, that's a pretty hefty price tag for FTP.
0: Yeah, to be fair, though, trying to build an FTP backed by S3, something that I did years oh. ago, and it's really hard. <laughs> it's it really is. hard to do it securely, especially for multiple tenants and things. So it's it's probably taking them this long to figure it out themselves. And it
2: should go up in price every year to just to slowly wean people off of it.
1: Well, so I would have been OK with it if FTP cost me three times the price of SFTP or FTPS.
3: But unfortunately, that's not what I got. <laughs> They're all the same price. Also, I'm, I'm not sure I st- I continue to buy that, you know, it's because of these legacy apps, because of these legacy apps, like, that argument has been going strong for 10, 15 years now, some of these, so, like, it's a little crazy.
0: I think it's anything they can do to to accelerate cloud migration, though. This is a lift and shift, like, supporting tool. No, it absolutely is that.
1: Having worked in mega enterprises in the past, uh, I will tell you that the amount of crufty apps that you know, just no one wants to touch because they'll break everything. Is very high, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know. Coming from a SaaS world, like that doesn't make any sense to us. But from a legacy enterprise IT shop, uh, I can tell you, it's a it's a real struggle uh, because yeah. you know these things might have cost millions of dollars twenty years ago. The vendor's gone out of business. You know, you've you've been you're, you're ten of a re, of a next gen architecture change, trying to move to something new that just can't handle it because it's on a mainframe or some other craziness. There's all kinds of scenarios that come into all of these really legacy enterprise apps and big companies.
3: I mean, I know it exists, but it's also like some of that is just like, well, and so we're we're going to deprioritize moving off of this, deprioritize moving off of this, right? And so it just it's one of those things that never gets addressed, never gets fixed because it's so low priority, but it's such a huge risk. If you're trafficking any real data in it,
0: well, now they can sell you uh, some kind of security service to monitor the data that you're shipping out of your unsecure FTP service.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just so I'm already going to buy like a, an expensive FTP service, and then I'll hook it to Macy, and then <laughs> exactly, <laughs> great. <laughs> Amazon, <laughs>
0: Amazon they giveth with one hand, and they taketh away with the other. <laughs> well, thank goodness they don't have
2: any of their well-architected framework around successfully and. Uh, using a well-architected FTP service.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, one uh, one thing I did notice in this article that, uh, you know, since you like the renaming, uh, this is now the Amazon transfer family, uh, Ryan. So if if there's other transfer protocols that you are aware of, other than FTP and SFTP and SFTP, uh, then you uh, might have future friends that will join the transfer family. So things to look forward
0: to. Oh, it's going to end up like systems manager. (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, everything's going to everything's going to end up like systems manager, manager.
0: Amazon, they do this transfer family for FTP. Oh God, no. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, well, uh, Amazon at ReInvent 2019 announced CloudWatch Synthetics. Uh, it was not very heavily mentioned on main stage, and they didn't have a blog post uh, until now. So, they wrote a very lengthy blog post that walks you through the advantages of the CloudWatch Synthetics service. Uh, and so, you know, I decided to go follow through this. But uh, first, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, the canary. Uh, this basically uses canaries that run on Lambda functions to basically run a uh, node-style puppeteer or uh, the other one that I don't remember the name of at this moment, a puppeteer-type scripting languages to run HTTP checks on your website. And as this does that, it then records screenshots of what it captured uh, provides a HAR file, which is basically the breakdown of a web page uh, building through the DOM, and basically the logs of, this, of the process. So you can now get alerted through an SNS topic or through some other method that uh, your site is down. Uh, you can also leverage it with X-Ray uh, and a bunch of other things, uh, the uh, Puppeteer or Chromium packages. Sorry, the two that I was thinking of earlier. Uh, the API endpoints uh, can be monitored as well with this method using get or put methods. It can support uh, basically walking through the GUI editor to basically create a workflow. So if you want to not only check that you know, your website hits a two 200 check, but it also you know goes to another page and violates that page is good. And then your maybe your checkout workflow works. That's all available to you as well, uh, which is really great. And it will monitor uh, your APIs. The uh, free tier can let you run 100 canary runs per month. Uh, and after that, you pay about uh, a hundredth of a penny uh, per run, plus the usual charges for S3 storage and Lambda if you're saving the results, uh, like I mentioned. So it, it, you know now you know what it's about. I did set this up for the CloudPod. Uh, it is super easy. Uh, it does have a little bit of a cloud front uh, delay when you first create the watcher or the uh, the the node checker canary. You love uh, those delays. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> so <laughs> when you when you do go through the wizard and you create that, you you know you kind of configure your SYN one uh, formatted document with your puppeteer code or your chromium code, and then you hit submit. It takes about three to four minutes for it to come back and say that it's running. But then it it is now running. Uh, from all of their canaries. You can set it up at any time interval that makes sense for you, as, lo- as low as ten, every 10 seconds or as high as you know, 10, 20 minutes, whatever you want to do. Uh, it's all available to you very simply. Uh, and I will be happy to tell you that because I got the website onto Amazon Linux 2 this week, the canaries have been running really cleanly. It's very green on my dashboard, so I'm very happy.
0: Nice. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Yeah, everyone's selling New Relic and uh, Monotis and Pingdom. <laughs> There's a bunch, yeah. <laughs> <Stuck>. <laughs> exactly. It, so Yeah.
3: Uh, you know and this has implications outside of monitoring too like when i think about you know uh, intelligent deployments in blue green like yeah you, you know i don't know how the, that delay seems like it might be a little bit of a showstopper there but uh you know like you can you can test your deployments in the automated fashion and record any kind of errors and do an automatic rollback and so this is a great step in that direction so you don't have to have a team of people going hey does it look okay
1: uh, one of the other cool things that it will support is a broken link checker uh, up to 10 levels
3: deep. So you
1: can have it check all the links on your website tell you if they're broken as well, which is pretty nice. handy. handy. Yeah. It is nice. Good. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, I am excited to kind of keep an eye on my website because I don't really know how it performs most of the time. And now it will email me when it's down, which makes me happy. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. Uh, well, Amazon announced something that I was not really expecting. This is the Amazon AppFlow Flow. Uh, basically, developers spend huge amounts of time writing custom integrations so they can pass data between SaaS applications and Amazon Web Services, uh, so that it can be analyzed. Uh, these can be expensive solutions and take many months to complete. Uh, to complete uh, the custom development or using a third-party tool like Zapier, or if this, then that. Uh, And to solve this problem, Amazon is releasing a new service called Amazon AppFlow that will solve it. Uh, With AppFlow, you can automate the data flows between AWS services and SaaS apps, such as Salesforce, Zendesk, and ServiceNow. And not only can you send data from AWS to SaaS apps, it can also send data from SaaS apps back to AWS, which is great. Uh, These flows can happen on a schedule or in response to a business event or on demand. And in the blog example, the author took a Slack chat room, sent the chat data via AppFlow, processed it with Athena, and created a visualization using Amazon QuickSight about the sentiment in his chat room. So there you go, a real use case. Uh, it was launched with support for 13 SaaS applications including Amplitude, Datadog, Dynatrace, Google Analytics, Infor, Nexus, Marketo, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Singular, Slack, Snowflake, Trend Micro, v- Vives, uh, sorry, Viva, and Zendesk. Uh, and the service scales up and down to meet the demands you place on it, and also allows you to transfer up to 100 gigabytes
0: in a single flow. It's kind of like a partner to EventBridge, really, isn't it?
1: It is. It is because a is bit of a partner. Is, uh,
0: yeah, I guess EventBridge is like publishing events to somebody else's event bus, and, and this is the other way around. Well, it's really that integration layer
1: things. That, you know, there's been companies like Boomi uh, on the enterprise side, and. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, if, uh or If this and that and sapier, they're all doing this kind of thing for enterprises all the time to make it somewhat simple, but they're a little bit limited. So I imagine that, you know, this kind of initial release is pretty limited in who's there, but I imagine they'll eventually make this available through Marketplace where you can write your own connectors and then you can start publishing those into Marketplace and potentially monetize them as well, which would be really interesting.
0: Uh, I guess we can all start looking at it once they roll out CloudFormation support, <laughs> which is not yet present. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, well, Zapier is all point and click too, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, ooh, no code, no code. No code. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, this actually might be a good piece to kind of build onto no code. I can see why this is uh, maybe an early release heading that direction. Well, the Amazon chatbot is now generally available, and you can now practice chat ops across multiple Amazon regions. Uh, chatbot supports CloudWatch, Amazon Code Services, AWS Health, Checks, AWS Budgets, Amazon Guard Duty, and Amazon CloudFormation. Uh, and the most important part is that you're on a free Slack team. AWS Slack will provide you a 25% discount for the first 25 months uh, from your upgrade date for standard of the Plus plan, which is pretty great. And the Amazon chatbot is free, but you do pay for the underlying services, including SNS, CloudWatch, and more.
2: I bet it's still pretty close to free.
0: Pretty close. Pretty close. It was this thing that we talked about when it was um, in, like a, in a pre-release. Yes,
1: yeah, so we did talk about it in preview, and it only supported uh, CloudWatch and, uh, I believe, CloudFormation at that time. So they've added quite a bit to it.
0: That's right. Did, I wonder if they added support for account aliases instead of having to know the numbers, because that was our gripe with it the last time.
1: Uh, I don't know. I did not look into that this time around.
0: Oh. I'll have to look into that.
1: Well, making uh, Jonathan super happy, the Amazon Africa region is now officially open. Yay. Uh, promised by Jeff Barr in October 2018, Amazon has delivered the first region in Cape Town, Africa. Uh, with this API name for this region is AF-South-1, uh, which I enjoy because it's like, it's yeah. as
0: F. Yeah. This region is, yeah. That's uh, Africa AF, yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: it's Africa AF, yeah. Uh, Amazon region, uh, this one meets the highest security compliance and data protection requirements uh, and does support the South African Personal Information Act or the Popia Act, I guess, uh, it will be able to store their content uh, in South Africa and make sure that it does not leave the country. Uh, this is the 23rd AWS region, and it has three shiny availability zones, and it supports EC2 instances in the C5D, D2, I3, M5, M5D, R5, R5D, and the T3 instance family, along with a long list of Amazon services at launch. Do check the region availability charts on Amazon's website. So uh, congratulations on that one, followed a week later by Milan launching in Italy. Uh, with all the same features. So that is is the 24th region. So 23rd is Cape Town and 24th is Milan.
3: So you're welcome, world, for more Amazon regions. And now I get to go research another privacy framework that I didn't know existed until now.
1: Yes, the Protection of Personal Information Act. Sounds very, very official. Yeah. Uh, So Jonathan, how does it feel to be firmly in the lead now on the the annual predictions?
0: I I think I stand a pretty good chance of winning since no more work is going to get done for the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine being the team like you're in you're in italy and you're like you're on the amazon data center stand-up team and you're everything's going to hell and you're like i have a data center to get launched
3: yeah <laughs> i i have this vision of this guy emerging after like you know weeks of hard labor in this data center to a completely shut down country be like what happened <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's been stories about people out on their boats for for months, months on end, and they 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 uh, they, they darken. Or they they said the shit's hit the fan. They had no idea what was going on. I want to be that guy on the boat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It, uh, it reminds me of that XKCD comic about the, uh, you know, there's a building that's been secured and they've got the communications line and there's like, there's a guy in the ventilation ducts. And it's like, oh no, it's a system admin <laughs> muttering about his uptime. <laughs> 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 that's all I can think about with the
0: Milan region. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, we, we have to link to that in the show notes. I will. I'll put it in the show notes right now.
3: <laughs> uh, that is my, one of my favorite XKCDs. I love it. It is. It is one of
1: my favorite as well. So. Well, uh, all those new regions need new features. And so, of course, we have the new uh, cost controls for Amazon Redshift Spectrum and Concurrency Scaling. Uh, so you can now apparently monitor and control your usage and associated costs of Amazon Redshift Spectrum and Concurrency Scaling features. Uh, you can create daily, weekly, and monthly usage limits and define actions that Amazon Redshift automatically takes if those limits are reached to maintain your budget with predictability. Uh, those actions include logging an event to the system table, alerting with the CloudWatch alarm, or notifying an I- administrator via SNS, which will never be looked at, until the bill comes and disabling further <laughs> usage of spectrum so those are all great features I particularly enjoy that email uh, that I don't notice until the CFO starts calling me about the costs
3: yeah you start asking everyone why didn't you cl- read the email yeah like, huh, you- <laughs> I didn't read it either <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs>
1: Well, fixing one of our, my biggest gripes with Amazon Control Tower, they have now set up a new multi-account AWS environments and organizations, uh, which if I translate that for all of you, means basically I can add Control Tower to an existing organization and create a new OU that has all the great Control Tower features. Uh, so this does not help your existing accounts, so they're still screwed, but all your net new accounts can now be controlled by the Control Tower uh, landing zone and all of the capabilities of the well-architected multi-account Amazon environment based on security and compliance best practices. So uh, for those of you who've been griping about that, uh, that is now halfway fixed.
3: Yeah, this is, it's still a huge barrier of entry to have to, you know, have, have two separate tracks to, to maintain your accounts, or just to ignore your previous deployments. And so, like, I'm sure there's some huge technical limitation that's preventing them from integrating this further. That they're still continuing to tackle away from. But this makes it really hard for existing users. But you know, for new users, it's great.
2: It still feels like something that's... How is this going to bite me in the butt later?
0: I think it's asking for um, a a tool to be built, like an account migration tool. You set up a new account, set up an old account, and point at the old account and have it literally take images of everything and reproduce all your infrastructure in a new account. Oh, my God. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I wonder how hard it would
2: be. It's impossible.
3: No, it it can't be. I mean, if we have applications and, and stuff to migrate from a private data center into aws it seems like this would be an easier challenge to solve
2: yeah i mean you can't rely on arns and you have to abstract everything
3: mm. in your automation to
2: make that feasible
1: like, like i said it's it's a step in the right direction but it's not quite what we want yet but i you know it, it's still nice not to have a whole different payer organization to get a control tower now at least you have the same payer uh, and with new accounts you can get the control but not old ones and then the uh, serverless streaming ETL with Amazon Glue is now available for you. Uh, when you have applications and productions, you want to understand what is happening and how applications are being used. A very common pattern is that you start with batch processing model. However, this is not near time, and so eventually move to a streaming model where data is processed as it arrives a record at a time, or in micro-batches of tens, hundreds, or thousands of records. Uh, Streaming systems, though, are very complex. Uh, I'm looking at you, Kafka. Uh, Because they're always on system, they need to be managed, patched, scaled, and generally taken care of. And so Amazon is making this easier and more cost-effective by extending Amazon Glue jobs, such as Apache Spark, to run continuously and consume data from streaming platforms like Kinesis Data Streams and Apache Kafka. Uh, Glue handles the provisioning, management, and calling of the infrastructure needed to ingest data to the data lake on AWS, data warehouses on Redshift, or other data stores in your infrastructure. So, that's a that's actually a really great enhancement for glue, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I've had my issues with glue in the past, as far as like functionality and like it almost does what I want several times. Like I've run into that that issue a few times, but I mean, this you know is super appealing to have that just as an ongoing process. If it if I can bend it to my will, I definitely want to play around with this.
0: This can be really useful for all the real time analytics. I mean, imagine imagine uh, millions of sensors. All over the place. And now you can constantly monitor the state and report on the state of a whole fleets of things. It's pretty cool.
1: Moving on to our friends at Google uh, Anthos is now available for your multi cloud workloads, uh, with the multi cloud feature being generally available. Uh, this allows you to consolidate all your operations across on premise, Google Cloud, and other clouds, starting with AWS uh, and Azure now in preview. Uh, there's a great quote here from Plaid. Uh, At Plaid, we provide a real-time data analysis of over 6.8 billion online users. Our customers rely on us to be always available, and as a result, we are very highly reliable Uh, have very high reliability requirements. We pursued a multi-cloud strategy to ensure redundancy for our vertical Carte service. Google Clouds Anthos works seamlessly across GCP and our other cloud providers prevented by any business disruption. Thanks to Anthos, we prevent vendor lock-in, avoid managed cloud-specific infrastructure, and our developers are not constrained by cloud
0: providers. (laughs) Prevent vendor lock-in by choosing Anthos as your platform (laughs) choice. That's, uh, (laughs) come on. (laughs) It's still a vendor in yeah. itself, right?
1: It is still a vendor oh. in itself. And I, I and you know, I think Kubernetes is its own form of lock in that people are gonna regret in a few more years, but we'll get there.
2: Yeah, but I think there is a difference between being locked into a technology that you're basically, you know, locked into from a from a standpoint of teaching your building that knowledge base and scaling that cost up with your business linearly with infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has its benefits. I still struggle with some of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other, the other approach is I trust the market, it, that these guys all have to be competitive with each other, just like in uh, I go to the closest grocery store to my house, trusting that pretty much all the prices are, it's not worth my time to go find the lowest price for each item and go around and shop. I should just go to Safeway next to my house.
1: I, uh, I, I disagree. Instacart saves me no money. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to the Anthos for multi-cloud, they announced a couple other things here as well, including a new Anthos config management capability, which allows you a programmatic and declarative approach to manage policies of your VMs on Google Cloud as well as for your containers, uh, reducing the likelihood of config errors due to manual intervention while speeding up time of delivery, as well as they now provide support for heterogeneous environments using the Anthos service mesh. Uh, you can include support apps for running virtual machines, letting you consistently manage security and policy across different workloads in the Google Cloud. Uh, and later this year, we'll be able to run Anthos with no third-party hypervisor, uh, allowing you to run it on a bare metal experience instead of on top of VMware. And uh, the X announcement is that they are uh, releasing Migrate for Anthos, version 2, basically. Uh, migrate for Anthos is a capability to take a existing VM and move it to Docker container, container without taking the OS kernel or VM-related components. Uh, and making them full, stateful containers. Uh, the new Migrate for Anthos release, you can now dissect the contents of a, of a VM and generate a suggested breakdown of its content into image and data components. And then Migrate for Anthos is now entirely integrated with Anthos Service Mesh, bringing the benefits of enhanced observability, security, and automated network policy to your legacy applications. Uh, Migrate for Anthos also now supports legacy Windows Server apps Uh which will convert them into Windows Server 2019 containers and run them on top of Google Kubernetes on the Google Cloud, uh, which they said is a great use case for moving your Windows 2K8 R2 releases uh, over to the cloud because uh, they are now end of support.
0: Do you think they they built this new version because the old version didn't work properly? Because it, it seems pretty far-fetched that they could actually automatically containerize things by sucking data out of a VM and, and have it work. It seems like a lot more just more likely to be to be useful and functional if they just provide suggestions.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, if they can make this work, it's pretty slick because this is a huge problem for you know a lot of places that are on prem and you know these these older apps that aren't containerized and typically your development staff um, isn't you know it's it's either a legacy so they're no longer involved in the day to day or um, they're not very interested in new technology in some cases, so this is a, an easy button that, if if available, would make a lot of people's jobs a lot easier. But I am very highly suspect, and
0: Anthos is too expensive for me to experiment on. So, I, you know, I wonder if they'll actually let people use this to migrate to Anthos on other clouds or only GCP, because that seems like a pretty risky business.
3: Yeah, it does say specifically GKE, so I wonder. But. Yeah. Yeah, there you know. go.
0: There you go. That's why you don't want to use Anthos. It's not the same on every platform. <laughs> it <is not. laughs> but it was, I mean,
1: I can tell you this demo they showed of this at Google uh, Next last year of how they do this migrate for Anthos was pretty sexy demo. Like if it if it works as well as it did in that demo, I, I, it's a pretty powerful technology. I could see them winning a lot of business with it. Yeah. Google Cloud CEO Thomas Kurian says, Istio will actually be handed over to a foundation. Uh, Istio uh, and Knative have been in debate for a while that Google may not want to actually release them to a foundation, despite previous hints. Uh, They have decided to actually donate Istio. Uh, However, they have not provided a date or which foundation it will be granted to yet. Uh, but Knative is still unknown if they'll be donated or not, and so we'll keep an eye on that. But for so far, uh, they have confirmed it will be moving to a foundation sometime in the future, just not when. Uh, so that's at least some reassurance of all those people using Istio, particularly the U.S. Navy, who was, uh, I think, saying that if it c- was not going to be donated to a foundation, they would not be able to continue to use it. Uh, so I think that sort of forced Google's hand.
0: How, how does that really work if it's an open-source project anyway? If they don't donate it, then somebody could fork it, presumably, and.
1: Yeah, it could be forked, just like you saw happen with Jenkins and Hudson back in the day. Mm. Um, but, you know, all of the investment and all the time that Google's putting into it, you want to take advantage of that. And then if you, you know, right now Google's in charge, so they, they dictate what features get developed, they dictate how it gets integrated and, and all of the roadmap. Uh, so donating it to a, a neutral foundation means that the best things for the product will happen versus the best things for Google.
0: Maybe they're the same thing eventually, whether they see it that way or not. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, Google has decided to make the new Shielded VM the default for the Google Compute Engine. Uh, Last April, Google announced the general available of Shielded VMs, uh, which are virtual machine instances that are hardened with a set of easily configurable security features to ensure that when your VM boots, it's running a verified bootloader or or kernel and no additional charge for these VMs. Uh, The default VM will come with a new UEFI uh, UEFI, and a Shielded VM, the default for everyone using Google Cloud Compute Engine, uh, is now the default. Uh, this provides protections against all kinds of hacks and well-known security articles about dangers of the cloud. So it's good to see.
0: Awesome. Makes sense. Why, why not do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like to see that these defaults are becoming more secure. I wish some of the other cloud, cloud providers are making things like TLS and encryption at rest default as well. Uh, I think that's a good move by Google, who's been making that change uh, for a lot of their services now, making them secure by default uh, without you having to remember to make them secure. Yeah. Google is uh, reportedly in talks to acquire Kubernetes startup uh, D2IQ, which is sort of an odd headline until you understand that D2IQ is the pivot that a company called Mesosphere made. Uh, when they move to handle Kubernetes as their focus versus Mesosphere, the deal uh, will likely exceed 250 million dollars, as that was was raised in the venture funding, but would not meet the 775 million dollar valuation in the last round from 2018. Uh, neither comment, company would comment on the rumors yet, uh, and this appears on the surface to be a talent hire uh, and about Google getting access to the D2. Uh, team, so uh, I'm glad to see the Mesosphere guys might end up uh, landing somewhere good, and they do have some really great ideas in Mesos, uh, but unfortunately Kubernetes took the day.
3: It's a little, you know, bittersweet. I remember evaluating Mesosphere, you know, a few years ago now, and so it's I, I, the DTIQ um, looked familiar, but I couldn't place it until I read this article. And so it's it is interesting, like, or I mean, I guess it's not really interesting. It's sad. It uh,
1: reminds me a lot about the, uh, the recent Docker sell-off that happened mm. when they basically split the company uh, mm. into two parts and, and really sold the part that made money off to somebody else and left the open-source Docker component with, uh, with Docker. And So we still don't know what that's going to look like in the long term yet either.
3: We see everyone reacting to it and moving, moving away from the Docker core you know, as the, as the base of the containers. And so it's, yeah, it doesn't look good for Docker long term.
1: Moving to Azure, uh, you can now optimize cost and performance with query acceleration for Azure data lake storage. This data-driven decision-making is motivating businesses to have a data strategy to provide better customer experiences, improve operational efficiencies, and make real-time decisions based on data. Uh, normally, when building a data lake, you have some comp- compromises. Either if you want more performance, you'll need to pay more money, and if you want to save money, expect your performance curve to reduce dramatically. Uh, to resolve this imbalance, Azure is releasing query acceleration for Azure data lake, storage, a new capability that improves both performance and cost. Query acceleration lets applications and frameworks push down predicates and column projections so they may be applied at the time of data is first read, meaning that all downstream data handling is saved from the cost of filtering and processing unrequited data.
0: Kind of seems like they should just have built this into the existing system and not told anybody, other well, than the fact that it was a performance increase.
1: And it's also <laughs> nice that it, you know, to make it work, you, you know, your third-party tool it's using it has to now send the data with columns and, and all the predicates pre. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it still requires your vendor of choice to support this, which I assume companies like Databricks and others will support out of the box. Microsoft is admitting uh, the pandemic did cause Azure's constraints and backlog of customer quota requests. Uh, the coronavirus triggered capacity constraints and customers haven't been able to get all the cloud that they would want. Uh, Microsoft shared an update with customers explained, in any particular Azure region, we ensure a near instant capacity buffer within the data centers and hold additional infrastructure buffer warehoused ready to ship to regions with high demand. Uh, but in the surge in Teams use, especially in Asia, sent the Windows giant into unknown territory. And there's a quote here saying, without knowing the true scale of the new demand, we took a cautious approach and put in place temporary resource limits on new Azure subscriptions. Existing customer subscriptions did not experience these restrictions as each Azure customer account has a defined quota of services that they can access, the advisory stated. This allowed us to continue to meet the promised quota for all existing Azure customers, prioritize new needs for new life and safety organizations on the front lines of the pandemic response, and support the dramatic shift to remote work and education on teams. Uh, they are not out of the woods complete, though, as Microsoft highlighted plans to expand additional server capacity to specific regions facing constraints while ensuring the safety and health of data center staff and the supply chain partners. Uh, so they are... Doing what they can, but they may still be uh, limited in capacity uh, for the foreseeable future.
2: It's still pretty amazing, though, if you think about our healthcare system and you know what happens if an additional one percent of our population needs ICU beds, that system is completely overwhelmed. Um, suddenly, we've increased the number of people working at home from I don't know some small percentage to pretty much a hundred percent of the country. So. Unless you're essential, unless you're essential, then your (laughs) software, right? I mean, you've got this huge uptick in uh, in basically in need and demand for cloud services, and although some have had some hiccups, it's it's not just expected. I mean, I think it's impressive at how few hiccups there have been.
3: Yeah, and this is a much better like the way this the way it was originally reported. You know, as far as like Azure is out of capacity, no one can get. You know, there's. You know, it was. It, was, it Sounds like a maybe a little bit of a an overreaction or a, a color a colored response. And so, you know, protecting setting setting increased limits on new customers to protect your existing customers. That's just good business. And so that, that doesn't strike me as bad. And it's, you know, it's good to see them actually like say something.
1: I still am bothered by the fact that, you know, if, if I'm supposed to buy into the dream of cloud, I should be able to go sign up and be up and running. And so when my business was in most need, Microsoft told me, say, sorry, you didn't already have a contract with us. You're out of luck. I, I really am bothered by that whole stance where. You know I could go to Google, I could go to Oracle, I could go to AWS, I could go to DigitalOcean and I could r- dramatically ramp up my capacity needs with a credit card and I could get through this crunch and you know so it's I appreciate that they're being honest about it, but I also it makes me really question if I would choose Azure for a future solution Ooh. I mean of course, if I was already a customer, I'd be happy that I would not be being impacted by all right. your newbies. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? I don't have the largest instance possible because all the new people spun them all up in the first day of COVID. I mean, I, I, I see it both sides, but I, I also I think it, it it really alienates the principle of cloud, which is that you know capacity should be somewhat available to you when you need it. Uh, maybe not in the largest instance sizes, but at least in the smaller ones. So
0: I think it's been exaggerated. Even even this is kind of an exaggeration in reporting. It wasn't it wasn't as you everywhere. It was, no, a it year, it was specific in, regions, in the UK. And it was
1: like, in, in the UK, and and someone in, in New York area uh, earlier in the year, but uh, yeah, I, definitely Italy was part of their challenge and and the growth in Italy. I thought I'm going to work from home there, but again, I, it's still the fact that it was it was a problem. I think that it bothers me.
0: I, I think it could have happened to
1: anyone. Sure, I mean it might have been happening to others, but not at the same level. So, hmm. capacity planning is a thing. <laughs> Uh, Microsoft is rebranding Visual Studio Online as Visual Studio Code Spaces, uh, and cutting the pricing of the solution by over sixty percent. Uh, apparently, they did not uh, feel like uh, Code Spaces and Code Build and Code Pipeline and Code Deploy. Uh, we're not confusing at all, you know, because they're all from cloud <laughs> providers and from different <laughs> vendors even. So, you know, good, good call. I, I, I don't necessarily know that I agree with this naming choice, but, you know, it is what it is. And again, it, in as my Ryan said earlier, it's uh, consistent with Azure's uh, naming in general. <laughs> Better than Jimmy uh, Cloud. <laughs> that's true. It's not Dippy Cloud. Uh, Visual Studio Online was announced at Build last May and provides several capabilities, including uh, giving you access to Visual Studio on your desktop, a cloud-hosted dev environment, and a web-based code editor for when you're on the go and want to edit your code without your laptop. Uh, so that's a it's a nice feature. It has some interesting capabilities and something to check out if you're doing a lot of Visual Studio code development. Um, I think it is compelling as an offering. I just uh, don't know that I want to call it Code Spaces from now on. <laughs>
0: Well, that, that cut pricing by 60%, that, that pricing isn't for Visual Studio Online, right? It's, that pricing is for some of their popular instance sizes.
1: It is, it's for the hosted dev environments that you run underneath yeah. it. So basically those were, what were cut by 60%. Uh, but the, the base fee of your Visual Studio uh, mm-hmm. code space license is uh, not changing, but the, the burstable costs that might occur to you are now reduced. Uh, Microsoft has also been very busy in the Kubernetes space with two big announcements. Uh, The first one being that they are now a Kubernetes certified service provider, uh, which basically means they're a pre-qualified vetted service provider who have deep experience helping enterprises successfully adopt Kubernetes. Uh, Microsoft apparently has trained hundreds of consultants in the way of Kubernetes. You do know that they have like 40,000 employees, right? So 100 people, that's nothing too exciting. Uh, With programs built around Kubernetes foundations, container migrations, security hardening, threat modeling, and application containerization. Uh, so you know, it's great if you care about such a thing as being Kubernetes certified. Uh, Microsoft can now fit that bill, uh, enabling all kinds of adoption. I'm sure of the Kubernetes service on
2: Azure. Well, you know, the requirement is three engineers who are certified. So
1: to get a Kubernetes certified service provider, is that mm-hmm. all it takes? Oh,
2: uh, all right. Stay tuned for an announcement at some point coming from this direction.
1: <laughs> if only, if only there was updated ad copy with that announcement. <laughs> 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 and another shocking <laughs> and another shocking bit of news uh, Azure Kubernetes Service is now generally available for Windows Server containers making it the third provider to now support Windows containers after AWS and Google which wait, don't they make <laughs> Windows? I would have thought they would have been the first but apparently not uh, you can now leverage Windows containers on AKS making it easy to move your .NET application to AKS services and technologies this does support both private clusters and managed entities are supported in Kubernetes as well Allowing you to create those Kubernetes clusters inside your data center using your AKS credentials.
0: Oh, the reason they're third though, of course, is because they didn't have the storage capacity for those massive Windows container images.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's true. That's very true. <laughs> Ooh, they are big, aren't they?
3: <laughs> Windows containers. Yay.
0: <laughs> Wait, how, how do Windows updates on a container? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You don't. You don't.
3: That's, <laughs> you, you, you get a new one. You throw the old one away. <laughs>
1: what? But they're they're all pets, Ryan. They're pet containers. <laughs> they're not cattle. I don't know what you're nope. talking about.
3: Nope. Don't even log into them.
1: Well, if you, uh, if you were looking at AKS and said, wow, that's really too complex, uh, I have a way to make it even more complex, and that's by adding Red Hat to the mix. Uh, apparently, IBM uh, is forcing the hand of Red Hat to now partner in a very bad marriage with Azure. Uh, to now provide you with OpenShift. And so Azure Red Hat OpenShift is now generally available, which is a pass layer on top of Kubernetes to make everything worse. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) It allows enterprises to run critical workloads via the OpenShift managed service on Azure, jointly operated by both Microsoft and Red Hat, so they can blame each other in a support call. And you can also announce support for SQL Server 2019 on Red Hat uh, Linux 8, uh, if you're running SQL Server on Linux, to save you Microsoft licensing costs on the Microsoft Cloud. So, not sure how that works exactly. Uh, you can also now use Azure Data Services on OpenShift uh, on premises, on the edge, or in a multi-cloud environment as well. Uh, so, if you're really excited about this, uh, this is all available to you today.
3: Yeah, I, I know people who love OpenShift just because of you know it's it's a build it's a build and release platform in one, right? So your your entire pipeline is is managed. But all I see there is just like a single point of failure. So I've never really other than dabbling in POC, I've never really played around much. But so this sounds just crazy Rube Goldberg machine to me. Like yep. this is yeah, I would be nervous. <laughs> sounds like a marketing
2: department designed it.
1: Well and I have a, I have news from Oracle. Which I, I know you're shocked when Oracle ends up in the Cloud Pod. Uh in a not a mocking way. Well sort of <laughs> Just wait. Uh, Apparently, uh, changes to the Windows instance pricing on Oracle Cloud Infrastructure are afoot. Uh, and Oracle has gotten a taste of its own predatory practices and passes those price hikes to you from Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft has increased its price for Windows Server licenses that are required for Oracle to deliver Windows servers to you. And so it's with regret that Oracle is raising their prices on these instances. Really with regret. Uh, the good news, though, is that the design and operational efficiency of Oracle Cloud still lets them offer materially lower prices for Windows Server instances running on Intel or AMD virtual machines or bare metal instances than AWS or Microsoft Azure themselves with their superior software. On hardware so there you go apparently you need less windows
3: on oracle Yeah, it's going to
1: cost you more so you're welcome
3: we should probably cue the
0: sad violin music for oracle
1: womp, womp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that price comparison at the end there. it's you know you get one cpu core for 15 cents or almost 15 and a half cents and the aws r5 large you get one cpu core which is actually two threads for 21 cents so really if you multiply oracles price by two it's still 50 percent more expensive for the same level of performance
1: don't do the math on the press release that's not what you're supposed to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that is it for uh, new news peter do you want to take us to the lightning
2: round aws storage gateway automates creating new virtual tapes on tape gateway
0: oh coming next week the aws storage gateway virtual tape rewinder I can't wait till my backups fail because the
2: tapes have stretched too far. (laughs) AWS Storage Gateway increases tape gateway write and read performance by two times. So that
1: tape's going to stretch even faster. Great. Uh, Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility adds improved multi-key
0: indexing capabilities. Hey, I wonder if MongoDB will ever add any DocumentDB compatibility. (laughs) <laughs> oh no oh uh, that'd be like like Amazon Document DB <laughs> with MongoDB with Document DB adds improved multi whoa, oh boy yeah. that'd be, that'd, that'd be
2: awesome uphill nah. climb for
0: everybody else
1: <laughs> uh, that's great
2: AWS fire oh anybody else any comments I, I that tops that one that tops no, that you. no I'm gonna I'm gonna hard pass on that <laughs> Bob Weave Doc cover up cover up <laughs> AWS Firewall Manager now supports organizational units for policy scoping.
3: So now you can define an entire
0: organization that doesn't need any rules. (laughs) So the FSA guys can stream from Pornhub again. (laughs) Oh,
2: God. (laughs) Uh, The
1: Firewall Manager, the thing that you never thought you needed in AWS (sighs) brought to life.
2: Amazon EKS Managed Node Groups allow fully private cluster networking.
1: Because all Kubernetes needs to be private and hidden from the world to never be seen.
2: Amazon SageMaker now supports iInf1 instances, providing high-performance and cost-effective machine learning inference. I'm inferring that I don't know what this means. CloudWatch application insights for .NET and SQL Server now support AWS Lambda and CloudWatch events.
1: So now I can explain to a lot of .NET developers how their application still doesn't work even in a Lambda container fantastic.
0: It must be related to Jedi. I mean, who else can afford to run SQL service in the cloud anymore?
2: Ooh! (laughs) Azure Functions has Java 8 support on Linux now in preview.
1: Wow. Just showing the high levels of security and compliance that Microsoft brings to the table as they discontinue Windows 2008 support. They
2: support Java 8, which was discontinued by Oracle
1: three years ago. Thanks. Thanks for that.
2: Introducing Amazon Augmented AI, A2I, for human reviews of machine learning predictions.
0: You know what the people who work in that team are called? Mechanical jerks. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> on fire! He's on fire!
3: I know. Jeez! <laughs> no, Someone had his Wheaties this morning.
1: <laughs> I mean, they were clearly genetically augmented to support this feature as well. Yeah.
2: Kernel live patching is now available in preview for Amazon Linux 2. In the words of Bill O'Reilly, We're doing it live! <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, is he still alive?
1: He is. He's just, he was fired by Fox News and just yeah. partificates somewhere on some I private know. network somewhere.
0: I just love that it's easier to introduce bugs without even having to reboot now.
2: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: also means you can patch them without rebooting too, so...
2: And uh, this is supposed to be, right? This was supposed to be the um, Kentucky Derby weekend. Oh, was it? That's kind of oh, sad. I didn't know that. Yeah. And winning by 40 lengths, it's Jonathan.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Why are you negative one, Ryan? We haven't, we haven't even, you're just,
1: you're just now officially being scored and you're already negative one. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know
3: how that happened either, but I'm already behind. Wow.
1: That's That's unfortunate. Any uh, Anything you guys are, are aware of that you uh, want to check out in the next week or two uh, here as we head into uh, another month of quarantine here in, in the Bay?
3: I mean, my life has gotten old school. I'm I'm no longer going to conferences and doing research on technology. I'm out in the sun gardening and baking <laughs> nice. bread. So like, it's,
1: it's a whole new world. I've, uh, I've been getting my gaming on quite a bit. I've been playing some Halo, I've been playing World of Warcraft, which I haven't played in years, and, and doing all kinds of uh, those type of things, in addition to dealing with my kids' remote learning, which is a nightmare onto its own
2: self. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is surviving. That's all we matters. Yeah, I used to uh, I have a friend who uh, I had previously happy-houred with occasionally who is into Call of Duty, so I downloaded and started playing Call of Duty, and now we happy-hour on Call of Duty. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Maybe we should do a CloudPod happy hour. That would be kind of fun.
2: Yeah. That would
1: be fun. Yeah. We, uh, maybe we'll set that up in the next week or two. That would be, that'd be a good time. Well, that's it uh, for this week in cloud, guys. Uh, we will see you uh, next week here on, this, on the CloudPod. Bye, everybody. See ya. Ciao. And that is the week in cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting and Blue Medora. Check out our website, the home of the CloudPod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net or tweet us at hashtag thecloudpod.